Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and as the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. And this is our last show of the season. It's amazing to think that we finished season six of Sports Girls. Our guest this week is Shabana Hearn, Talk Sport, Celtic TV, What the Football Podcast, Good Morning Britain, I could go on. The gal is talented and a really nice person too. A twin sister of the Republic of Ireland's Rusha Littlejohn, we chatted about everything and anything. And the results from the weekend in the FEI Cup semi-finals. Last year's beaten finalists, Shelburne, defeated Bohemians 1-0. Noel Murray with the goal from the penalty spot. And Apollone Town booked their place in the final for the very first time with a 3-0 win over Holder's Wexford Utes. Madison Gibson with a hat-trick. And Leitrim's Murren Devaney played for Athlone on Saturday, then tugged out for her local GA club Glencar Manor Hamilton on Sunday morning and scored 3-3 out of 3-6. An exceptional athlete. So I'd like to introduce our guest this week, Shibana Hearn, one half of the Little John Twins. First of all, not to confuse you with Siobhan. Siobhan. <laughs> like a real Irish way of saying it. Siobhan. <laughs> yeah, you're putting the English twang in it there. I mean, yes, I can I confuse a name every single day of my life, Denise, I'm called Siobhan. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> a, a tough one for mum and dad there, eh? <laughs> yeah, because my mum and dad christened me Denise with an extra E. Mm. And people say Denise and spell it like Denise. And then you're like, oh, listen, do you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it there. You're a twin and you've got twins, but your twin is actually Rusha Littlejohn, who plays for the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, I'm better looking, though, Denise, so don't be confused. Um, you know, but we are definitely twins and, and best friends as well. We speak to each other every day. She lives a three minute walk from mine. And yeah, I'm really proud that she represents Republic of Ireland. I love the way the two of you get on. And obviously then you have Katie as well. And Katie just fits in so much with your family. Yeah, I guess she she just has to. And I think Katie is maybe one of the most easygoing people purely because she's from a family of so many as well. She's one of 12. And that to me is just absolutely bonkers. Um, and I see her siblings actually in Dublin at Tala at the last game there against Finland and counting them all out, trying to suss out who is missing. But yeah, Katie slots in with us all. She's been about for so many years now. Um, and yeah, just she she's one of my babysitters. <laughs> so are you Rusha's sister or do people say to her, are you Siobhan's sister? Oh, that's a good question because, oh, I don't know. I suppose if I'm with her crowd, yeah. I'm Rusha's sister. And then when she's maybe with my crowd, I say she's Siobhan's sister. But I mean, either or, either or. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny being a twin. Sometimes it's it's just a normal thing. And then I still see, now I've got twins. My dad's a twin as well. Denise, like we're, we're three in a row. And then our well, grandparents. The generation. Apparently not. I mean, that is the saying. That's the old wife's tale. But it just depends with, to go into detail, it's the, it's the amount of eggs that are there. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened. But my also, my, so my nanny, who's Irish, um, her siblings were twins boy girl twins and then my dad is a twin two boys then me and Rush, two girls and then my kids a boy and a girl so it's gone around the the houses four in a row yeah no I was gonna say we might get nine in a row but sure we'll leave that out so, 
I was never good at football. We call it soccer over here. So that's probably why I went into the the reporting broadcasting side. Sorry to ask you, is that why you went in? Uh, no, I've just given it a good chat. <laughs> uh, I went into radio when I was about 15 on work experience. I was always a dancer. So Rush always played football. Myself, my other sister, Brogan, who's just a year older than us, and our little brother, Dom, we were all dancers. And um, Rush went into football. I worked in radio from when I was about 15. It was a, it's a music radio station in Glasgow. It's called Clyde One. And I get in there on my work experience. And I remember on second day of work experience, I was in this radio studio and the guy who was hosting the show, his name's Gavin Pearson. I'm still very close friends with him now today. He said, if you press this button, when I tell you to, we'll come out of the break and you will hit the song. And I was like, oh my God, my God. So um, I, he said, go and I hit the button. And in that moment, I was like, I want to work in radio. Like this is where I want to be. And from work experience, I never really left. I got a wee part-time job. I was coming in in the street team, doing stuff in reception, doing tech open on the desks, and I managed to get on air from there. So um, it was a very, very long time ago. And yeah, I, I love it. I love speaking to people, I love having conversations. And now working in sport, it's just, especially the way the women's game has gone, you know, and being part of it all of my life. You know, it's not something I've just decided now the women's game is getting big. And, you know, I've known it since, since Roosh, you know, she always played. You know, going to her games when she played with the boys to then watching her like age nine going into a girls team and winning with the women, you know, winning the leagues with the women and that team and then coming down here, coming down south and then going to Norway and playing for Ireland. She used to play for Scotland. There's just so much history of, you know, women in football in our family. And that's mainly obviously of Russia and now working in it is just everything. I love it. I just love it. Because you're in radio and you got to see so many aspects of it. Is that then when you decided, do you know what, I wouldn't mind going into sport? Yeah. What happened, Denise, was the when lockdown happened, I, I hadn't long had my kids. So they were about five months. And we, myself, my husband, my kids, and Rusha and Katie, we all ended up living together. So we had this yeah. amazing opportunity with a family friend was stuck out in Australia and she needed house sitters and she had this great big house. And she said, you guys, go in there. You've got space for the kids and enjoy it. And learning just so much about their day-to-days in that point in time because they were all working kind of from themselves training themselves you know there was like equipment being dropped off outside the gates from you know the uh, katie's team at arsenal just what they had to do to keep on top of it and and i found it really interesting and i just felt that at that point being so close to them you saw the interest that fans were coming in and everybody wanted to know more about these women in football who are you know katie you know playing at arsenal the goal she bangs in she's she's a big star so I thought maybe we could start doing a podcast and when lockdown was kind of lifting, you would see to me like some of the biggest names in football, you know, like Viviana Miedema would pop in to see Katie for a cuppa. I'd be like, we could really get something, you know, and and, and trying to podcast and try and reach a, a fan base that at that point it was quite hard to get content from them, you know, because media and, you know, they weren't all over Sky Sports, they weren't all over the radio, they weren't all over the BBC and there was such an appetite. I remember sitting in the garden because it was that really hot summer and I'd posted the interview with, with Katie, which was my first kind of podcast yeah. uh, with Katie and we'd sat in the garage the night before just recording and chatting away and I posted it and then the next day, must have been about 15 hours later, I just went on to see, oh, we'll see if it's got any likes or whatever and it was something like three thousand, three and a half thousand listens in that first night. And I was like, oh my God, Kate, there's three and a half thousand people listen to that. And, you know, and I was just dead excited that, you know, I've always worked for radio. I've always worked in TV, but this was something that we had put out just from the garage and it yeah. was so liked and it got shared around. And I thought maybe there's something here. So 
got to work with so many of the girls and some that I've known for such a long time, you know, from Scotland as well. And it went from there and gladly, you know, got the opportunity to get into talk sport and work with them. And they've been so supportive. And now everybody's pushing the women's game and it feels like you're part of it. You mentioned Didrio and Katie, but you also have the chance to interview your sister as well. <laughs> Rusha said to me when she at this point at the beginning she wasn't with a team and we always joke that Rusha's had more clubs than Tiger Woods which she has by the way but you know we, we always had that running joke and then when she got her club and she was settled and she was happy I was like you ready to do the podcast and she's like are you ready to have me you know and and it was the, it was my favorite it was my favorite one you know I'm, yeah. I'm so proud of her like there's nobody more resilient than her you know she's been around a long long time um, she's had highs, she's had lows, yeah. she's learned a lot of lessons. I think she wishes that if she could go back 10 years and be as committed as she is now, you know, back then, you know, yeah. things might have been massively different from her. But I just find her, I, don't, I just find her such a true, honest person, you know, good heart. And I'm, I'm glad for her now that, you know, she's happy at Aston Villa and she's getting, you know, she's, she's wanted there, you know, she is wanted there. Then she bloom and went out and got her Achilles injured one at a time. She got one Achilles yeah. injured, then got that one healed and then did the other Achilles <laughs> and then got back to fitness. And then, as you know, broke her foot um, in that yeah. game against Finland. But she's, she's doing really well. And again, like Denise, sometimes those highs and lows that prepare you for moments of that. And I'm confident knowing that if anything ever, you know, if there was a career end in injury, Rusha's mental toughness will help her, you know, because she's so... She's just so resilient. She's been through a lot and, and I'm really happy for her. So I found that podcast my favourite my, my favorite conversation. Actually, if anyone had the chance to look at the reel that she made last week. Of, <laughs> you know, yeah, she should be stand-up comedian when the football ends. Well, she's definitely... It's funny because this is a conversation that we've been having on and off with her. Not, not so much me, because I think, be true to yourself, she'll never go to her grave and regret that she tried to be somebody that she wasn't. Like, she's always yeah. been so true to her, her her thoughts. And, you know, often being the, we call her the class clown, would have got her in trouble in the past. And yes. now people say that it's good to have a character around. And I was with Gemma Davison yesterday, used to play for England, former Arsenal and a Chelsea player. And she said to me yesterday, how's Rusha? I, I miss being around her. They, they two used to car share to Birmingham together oh no to Villa was it to Villa yeah they'd go up and down to Villa together and um and she said I miss just being around her she was so much fun and then then she said to me about the the reel that she put up Ruhab she said that you know she was crying laughing and so many people have been have been joking about it and then yesterday also spoke to one of our colleagues um one of the, the background staff team at Aston Villa and um, to do with another another work thing. And I said, well, anyway, take care of yourself. And I hope Rusha's staying out of trouble. And he said, she could be in trouble, but she'd still make us laugh. Um, yes. So, you know, I think I think she's I think she's bringing a bit of happiness to some people. And I'm, I'm glad she's making you laugh. <laughs> she makes me laugh. So I get it. That's the thing about it, because you see what she's doing in the face of adversity with those injuries. And she's smiling through it all. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There was a time I remember when I'd had my kids and I was in the hospital and she hadn't, she, she, she couldn't get a team. You know, she was playing at London Bees. She wanted in at the WSL. She wasn't ready to give up. She, she knew she was kind of injury prone then. And she was upset. You know, she was upset. And she's like, I'm just not ready to be done with football yet. I feel I've got so much more to give. And, and I was like, it's, it, it's fine. You know, if you, if you want to get there, you know, work around, work the room, speak to people. You know, actually, even though she's the funny man, she's very, she's quite quiet. 
you know, she has to be pushed out of her comfort zone. You know, I, I, I guess the thing is that being a twin, and this is if you're a twin or a half twins or no twins, yeah. you'll know that there's always one that does the talking, yeah. you know, and that was always me. And I, I was the chatty one, and Rusha was the quiet one. And then when she came out of her shell, you know, everyone's pushing themselves laughing and never know she was so funny and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But she, she doesn't, she's not confident in approaching people to ask for something, you know? And then eventually she got into West Ham. Matt Beard gave her the opportunity to come in and train when he was at West Ham. And that kind of got her back in and back into kind of training with, you know, the best of the best and the right facilities and helping her kind of through injuries at the best, the best level. And I think that gave her just so much confidence that she wasn't doing it on her own and brought her happiness as well, being around all these other players who are maybe going through the same thing. But, you know, the, the amount of people who I've seen along the way over the last few years who have either been Marusha from the beginning or for a short spell at West Ham or, you know, played with her in Norway, you know, you always hear that no matter what was going on, she was always trying to make people laugh. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad she's got that approach. And, you know, some people might see it as a joker or unprofessional, but she's a good person at the end of the day. And it's funny. <laughs> she makes me smile. So, and that uh, is hard, you know, John Bishop is the man <laughs> that does that for me. So if she can do it, we'll talk about yourself. Talk sport, immense. <laughs> for me, you have my dream job. Oh, really? Celtic oh, TV. <laughs> Celtic TV, Denise. What a treat that was. I remember um, I worked with Jerry McCulloch at Clyde, the, the, the radio station yeah. I was telling you about when I was younger. And Jerry went, he was the host of the sports show at the time, Super Scoreboard. And then he went to Celtic. Always remains in touch. Social media helps to keep connections yeah. with things like that. And um, was that last summer? He reached out to me and said, you know, we've had a couple of changes. We need extra bodies. What happened with COVID? They changed the, the production of Celtic for Celtic TV yeah. to make sure that the season tickets holders had a better service, things like that. Um, would you be interested in maybe coming up and hosting a couple of the shows? And I was like, uh, yeah. So I went up for a, uh, to see him at Celtic Park for the chat. Had a wander around. I hadn't been to Parkhead in a number of years. Last time I'd been there, I think, was a Champions League night with Russia maybe 27 ages ago right and um I went around and I was like I really want it I love it I just loved it again and it'd been such a long time and then the following week they'd said would you want to come up and do that next game and from that game till last week Ange Postacoglu hadn't lost a game in the league Celtic hadn't lost a game in the league so being there at that point with John Hartson who I know who I know you've spoken to before and Stan Petrov and John Collins and a few of the other guys it's just I loved it it was such a privilege to get to be there and do that that job and and be in there and see the fans and I really I really really enjoyed that experience for now they have a different thing in 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 uh, order this season but I mean, if they phone me now, I'd be on the next flight up there to host the next game. I loved it. And you appeared in the Celtic View magazine. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, that's right. Paul Kuduhi is the, the editor of the Celtic View. And he's a lovely man. And he said to me one time, he said, would you be up for doing this? And we'll do this full interview. And I was like, why me? But then I realised it was because Rusha obviously played for Celtic as well. <laughs> so we had that we had that link. Um, and yeah, that was fun. I actually got sent a couple of copies and uh, I sent it to my dad because... I was like, well, that might make me the favourite for one whole <laughs> minute. You know, usually it is Russia. Uh, that's the joke in our house anyway. But um, yeah, it was, it was. I really enjoyed it, honestly. It's, it's a club that wherever you go in the world, everybody knows who Celtic and yeah. Rangers are. And for me, I always say when people say what team do you support, I say born into Celtic, married into United. And in the women's game, I'll go with whatever my, you know, I support where Russia is or where Kate is or whatever my friends are. 
and and Celtic, you know what it's like. It's like a way of life, you know, football yes. there. And and when you're in it, like actually in there working, you get even more energized by it. And then the style that Ange Postecoglou had been playing, and the players that he was bringing in, and the all-out attack, and I got right into it. You know, I, I still am. Like I'm like oh, I'm really loving Celtic just now, and good to see them in the Champions League. Yeah. And fingers crossed they can progress. Exactly. Well, I love Ange. A little stray cat came around our house, so we decided to call him. Well, I decided to call him Ange. <laughs> I, know. I you love mentioned, that. You mentioned about the clubbing worldwide, and I was in Miami a couple of years ago, and we were after getting off the flight, and I had just a Celtic FC t-shirt on me, and the guy came over to me in the airport, and he was like, ah, Celtic, the boys. And then I just walked <laughs> off, and was like, what, in Miami? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's such a great club. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I really, it's been a pleasure working there. Like it really has been. And just even like my family and friends, like, you know, you could be working on the world's biggest sports radio station, which is Talk Sport, or doing something on Sky and, you know, it's got lots yeah. of eyes. And then you could be on Celtic TV and you get messages from, like you say, America or, you know, Australia. It's, you know, a very, very big Celtic fan base in Australia. Just yeah. all these parts of the world, people saying, saw you on Celtic TV kind of thing. And then the amount of my friends and family who were just like, you're doing Celtic next season? You're doing Celtic next season? You know, that because they're all big, big Celtic fans. So it meant a lot to them as well. Like, they enjoyed that. So, yeah, like, my mum and dad, like, they, they loved it. They loved, I mean, putting on Celtic TV and seeing me sitting there. Especially my dad, I think he'd look and go... Jesus, like, this is pretty cool. Also, when you mentioned about Rusha, she did play for Celtic. So you have that, that my sister played for Celtic. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I remember when she was at Celtic. Um, now, you're going back to when Celtic maybe isn't what near what the club it is now, but they always yeah. had a better budget, that's for sure, because they're Celtic Football Club. And saying to somebody one time, up, saying, you know, where, where does your sister play? And I was like, Celtic. And they were like, oh, my God. But at that point, they wouldn't have been, they weren't even professional, yeah. but it's Celtic, yeah. you know. Um, now you could say she's at Aston Villa and people go, oh, OK. But Aston Villa isn't the worldwide club that, that Celtic yeah. is. And, and yeah, yeah, she, she played there for a long time. I think she played there a couple of times, you know, Denise. I think she went somewhere else and she came back to Celtic. Um, but, yeah, so many of her friends that she's in touch with now, you know, all played together at Glasgow City and Celtic. So she's got, you know, a, a tight neck a tight, um, circle of friends from there as well. Talk sport. Everyone knows it. You know, sometimes it's kind of controversial. But the thing about it is a lot of the time it's what people want to hear and what supporters want to hear. Yeah. I mean, you've got all the right people in there, I think, offering so many different aspects. And um, from what I see, I think, you know, listening to talks for it, I have it on the car. I have it in the kitchen this morning. I had on Alan Brazil this morning with Ali McCoist. And I just giggle, you know, they are giggling. I think those two are hilarious together. Uh -huh. Gabby Agbon Lahore, who's, who often then goes out into the press for what he says. And then recently had Jurgen Klopp pulling up what Gabby said. Um, yeah. And then Simon and Jim, Jim White and Simon Jordan, Jim White, uh, another, you know, Jim White has really looked after me since going into Talksport, as has Alan Brazil. I find them such good people to work with. Everybody who I work with there has just been excellent. Jim and Simon are a mat—that's a massive show uh, mid-morning, and you've got Simon who people say is the voice of the people, but he's not—he's not the voice for me. That's for sure. We we clash quite a lot, but we have a, a lot of time for one another, and again, is very very good to me. And you know, every everybody in there, you know, the the drive time show, such a good laugh, and then the night show as well. So yeah, I think they they get it right every single time, and. 
honestly, you have to pinch myself when I get to cover Natalie Sawyer, who I admire so much. I get to cover yeah. her on weekends sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Tony Cascarino, again, former Celtic, not for a long time, but he was there. Uh, and Republic of Ireland, of course. Of course. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh. They kind of, oh. yeah, they go through... Uh, players that played for um, like the Royal with Decanio and different people and then it's a bit of a kind of a, a quip but yeah Cascarino is mentioned <laughs> I'll tell him that you'll be happy um but yeah no you, you, I do I can't believe that I'm sitting there you know that and you get to work on that station you know they've got Laura Woods as well who for me is just a trailblazer when it comes to women working in sport I think she she does it so well she's a good person our, our values are right. She's a good journalist. Um, it's honestly a treat. There's a, there's a man called Joe Amphlett who I'd reached out to when I wanted to see if they would be interested in taking the clips from the podcast. And, and he certainly opened the door for me and has supported me ever since. So I always say to him, anytime I have a really good day, I have to thank you. Like, I have to thank you because it, it, getting into talk sport changed so much for me. And I love radio. I love being there. I love sitting in those, that studio with Shade. I love, I love talking. I love working with the people and the pundits. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just such a joy. It really is nice. Talk sport, it is actually quite big over here because I remember years ago going to a Six Nations launch. I met Russell Hargreaves for the first time and it was like, Russell Hargreaves who was on talk sport. You know, uh-huh. it's it, one of those things mm. yeah no it's it's again it's one of the biggest stations in the world you know for sports that is the biggest station in the world and some of the biggest names you know uh, yeah. some days you'd be sitting there and friggin you know someone will walk by you and I'm like oh my god that's so and so and I still like even growing up in Scotland and anytime you put on the tv on the weekend or even watching Scotland play like Ali McCoist you know I'll barely get near Parkhead after saying this but actually getting to work with him and be in the same studio with him, you're like, like this, you're like, could be starstruck, you know, and he's such a good person. I'd love as well. to interview him. I think he's yeah. hilarious. He's so, I actually he's, like he's so sound. Yeah, he's such a sound yeah. guy. McCoist is one of those guys from the other side, as we'd say, that just there's something about him. And, and he and he can be quite honest. And even listening mm-hmm. to him a few weeks ago, the Celtic Rangers game, you know, he was very honest. And that's the mm-hmm. one thing I like about McCoist is he just gives yeah. his honest opinion. Yeah, no, he, he, he does, and he's very good at that. And he also brings that lighthearted fun, a yeah. bit of charm as well. Like listening to Alan Brazil and McCoy's this morning with the, with Gabby, I actually I need to text Alan just to say what they are. I just love Thursday mornings listening to them. I just mm. think they're so funny. They could be talking absolute gibberish, but they're making you laugh just because they're full of carry on. Their heads are full of carry on, and um, and that's just infectious. I think. But you also moved out of sport as well. Moved out of sport. Moved out of sport. Good morning, Brittany. Oh, yeah, of course. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I when I moved down here to, to London, yeah. my husband was like, yeah, we, we, were, did we get engaged yet? And then I was moving down here. And um, I thought, coming from Scotland and working on a big radio station, I would walk into a job down here. I just yeah. was so naive and that didn't happen. Um, and funnily enough, uh, Lorraine Kelly, a uh, name drop, she... My, my producer, my one of my bosses at Clyde at the time had set me up with Lorraine Kelly to have a coffee. Um, and she, she, I had sent an email saying it'd be good to come in. And she said, hello, love. Um, why don't you come in and watch my show one day and then we can have a coffee in the canteen after. And I went into the, the studios on the South Bank and uh, went into that, it was daybreak at the time. And um, sat on, you know, the actual couch, the sofa, you see the yeah. guests on, sat there and watched her show. Like just watched it all happen. I remember looking around me going, oh my God, like, I love TV. Like, this is incredible. And um, I just, I love, the, I love production as well. Like the whole ins and outs of it, I really, really enjoy. 
and then I had a coffee with her in the canteen and and she said you know you've it's good to keep all your options open and you know don't pigeonhole, pigeonhole yourself into something and you know just you know stay at it and you know if I hear anything I'll let you know and then literally the next day saying this might be an idea for you I got an email from her saying this might be an idea for you and it was the green room host so at that point they were rebranding daybreak to good morning Britain and uh, I went for the interview and um, I, I got I got the job I remember they phoned me I think the interview was like a Tuesday or Wednesday and I was going to see Beyonce on the Friday with my husband uh, I got the call just as I was getting let, ready to leave the house to go meet him and it was like you know you were our favorite for this and you know you've got a lot of experience in other ways but you know this would be great if you want the job it's yours and I was like oh my god because I'd only been there about four weeks and I yeah. thought I'd give myself three months to try and get something and um I went into the Good Morning Britain then as it relaunched and I was the green room host and that was such a good job like that was a great job because any guest who came in to the studio kind of they, they had to come through you so you were like greeting them and bringing them in if they had a dressing room you sent them there if not you brought them into the green room got them a tea or coffee you know just you know yeah. basically being like a waitress in that room uh, with them and you got to meet everybody as well. So you got instant contact then with the presenters because I had to book their cars to make sure they were going the right places after work. And, uh, and then you meet all the producers for different items because then the producer would come downstairs and say, right, where's so-and-so who's on this topic? And I would go, that's them over there. And so you got to kind of work with everybody. Yeah. And then I started to hate it because I felt like I was so away from what it was I wanted to do, but so close to it. You know, I, I used to think, why can't I be doing that production work? Why can't I be doing reporting? Like I can do all of that. So it was bugging me. And then eventually I got uh, an interview, a, a role came up as a researcher on the news desk. And I got that and I went upstairs to the news desk and then slowly started to get the opportunity to, you know, go out and do interviews and get sound bites from people. And then I went to showbiz, um, which I love showbiz. Like see Strictly, it's back on Friday night. I can't wait. I'm beside myself. Like I love looking through the Daily Mail showbiz. I'm really sad. And I worked in showbiz with Richard Arnold. Um, who you you you'll know Richard Arnold. Yeah, Richard Arnold, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Campus Christmas, really good fun, very funny to work with. Uh, and I worked with him for a couple of years. And see, when I talk about now, I, I think, oh my god, I was so lucky. I got the best jollies. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I was sent to Australia with Richard to do, you know, the eviction interviews when people start to leave yeah. the jungle. Yeah. Um, and you know, these you see them in that that room next to the pool. And, you know, they, they shoot them on Good Morning Britain. They're, they're sitting in the hotel yeah. room at the Versace Hotel. That was my room for 12 nights. That's where the guests would come in at my room. And we would do the interview, set up the shot, right off you go. And we didn't start work till four o'clock in the afternoon. It was the best gig ever. So Richard and I had a right laugh. We call it our honeymoon. That was us and our honeymoon. And yeah, it was brilliant. Loved showbiz. Then I had my children and kind of slowly kind of stepped away, but not for long. And then Talksport happened and everything happened from there. So it's it's been a it's been a big change. Like it's been a big change in terms of what it is I'm focusing on and what I'm working at. But a very good challenge all the same. And good to be interested in so many different things. I love the way you say about the showbiz, whereas crime. I love watching crime programs and crime books. And my mother was like, <laughs> you will be able to commit the perfect crime. Oh, <laughs> see, I'd be able to, I think, blag my way in any showbiz party. I think that's what I could do with the things that I've seen, you know, over the years. I actually remember one morning doing the paper review on Top Sport Breakfast with, with Alan Brazil. And um, we were going through the back pages of the paper. It's called the back page review. That's how then I started to get in there and do more on air and um, going through it. And then it was something on 
Phil Foden. He was on like the front page of the Sun because his partner was pregnant and he's about 10 or something, but I don't know, he was like 12, he was a 21 or something at the time. And then at the end of the newspaper review, we were focusing on Phil Foden on the back pages to do with actual football. And then and I was like, do you know his partner's pregnant? And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's on the front page of the showbiz section. And he went, why are you reading the showbiz? And this was on air. And I was like, uh, and I thought, oh my God, am I not allowed to like showbiz because I work in sport? Yes. <laughs> like I had to like take myself away from it. But yeah, no, it was, that was quite a funny moment because I think I put myself in it like, yeah, I came from showbiz, is that still allowed? But yeah. I mean, funny, but the GMB was the best time. I loved that as well. And a great learning place for everything. Like that, like that's working on the Piers Morgan show, Piers and Susanna. Though you saw some interesting things there as well. Mm-hmm. We mentioned women in sport and I think the Euros just captured everyone's imagination. And then you look at a couple of weeks ago, that game in Tala like was sold out. My mm-hmm. cousin and her girlfriend, they were mad to go to it and just couldn't like it was sold out. Well, within a couple of hours, the tickets oh. been released. Oh, what a and shame. Yeah, there were so many people that wanted to go and just couldn't. But it shows you the interest now in our women's soccer team. I don't know about you, Denise, but I'm having sleepless nights thinking about this World Cup playoff because at Tala that night, I was like, okay, they, they defend well, don't they, Ireland? And I just think if they're going to face Austria, oh my God, please let it not be Austria. Because I think Austria over the Euros were such yeah. a strong side. You know, they can take so much positivity from their performances, especially against England. You know, the England, I think if they struggled yeah. against one side, it was definitely Austria. And then Scotland, because I'm Scottish born and bred and love Scotland, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, but I have to see the girls go to the World Cup. The girls in green have to go to the World Cup. And that playoff, Whatever it is, if it's going to be in Austria, if it's going to be in Scotland at Hamden, it's going to be brilliant. And that's where, again, you're starting to see sides like Scotland and Ireland who weren't at the Euros, Republic of Ireland who weren't at the Euros, you know, again, attract this audience. Everyone wants a bit now. And the North London Derby, Arsenal Spurs is Saturday. And that's, I've just spoken to the press officer at Arsenal and it's 48,000 tickets have been sold. And I'm like... My gosh. unreal and, I, and I'm working there for it and when I saw Arsenal play Chelsea was that the last game of the season one of the last games of the season maybe a couple of years ago it was at the Emirates and um, no it was the FA Cup I'm telling a lie and see the amount of fans there I think it was 40,000 fans at the at, at, at Wembley that day uh, and Katie, I saw Katie come out and Martin Garrix was playing and like there was flame throwers going off and the place was jumping And I started crying. I was just like, this is an amazing experience for these women. You know, this is now becoming normal for women in football. So it's it's completely abnormal to you and I to see crowds like that for women's football. And young, young ones now, young boys and girls see this, this as normal. You know, this is normal for women to play football at these stadiums with this capacity, with this amount of fans. And that actually just makes me want to cry. I just love it. And I can't wait for that tomorrow. And Tala, a couple of weeks ago, 7,000 there. Everyone was loving life. Of course, they got the win, which was the most important thing. And it's just so exciting to see. I got on the taxi that night, leaving the Maldron. And um, I w- we were heading to Castle Knock, my husband and I, and got in the taxi. And the taxi driver's like, were you watching the girls? Great result for the girls. You know, everyone's yeah. talking about it. Talking everyone's about it, yeah. Yeah, like, as you would see, I hate to compare, but I can't help it. But as you would speak about it, if Ooh, it was yeah. a mentor. You know, and, yeah. and for me, that's for me, that's everything because I've been banging this drum for so long, you know, and now and now everyone's doing the same thing. And 
yeah, it's brilliant. And fingers crossed, man. Jeez, Lord blesses the Republic of Ireland and Vida. Yeah. Are we saying in heaven? Help us. Yeah. <laughs> in in Ireland, our main sport for ladies is ladies Gaelic football. And a couple of years ago, they had over 56,000 at the finals. And wow. it, it was actually the second biggest attendance for a women's sport after the World Cup final. So to see where the soccer, as we would call it over here, because obviously football is Gaelic football, but to see where that is coming now and it's capturing people's imagination. And then obviously we've got boxing. We're great at boxing in Ireland. <laughs> Kelly Harrington, Katie Taylor. It's just fantastic to see those girls just out there. And little girls are looking up to them now. When I was growing up, Paul McStay and people, you know, they were the guys you looked up to. But yeah. now you can say that such a player and such a player like we're going to mention Katie again but Katie McCabe you know they're looking up to her Rusha yeah. now Denise O'Sullivan it's great to see that yeah no I, I honestly I love it I love it I love watching it uh, I love witnessing it all like you know at the game uh, in Tala at one point at the end when the girls that's what I love about it as well you know these 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 women playing will always go out of their way to make sure at the end of the game no matter win lose draw they're there to see the fans as well and they're giving back because um, they were ones that age, you know, they didn't have these heroes to look up to. And they're really giving them that empowerment and passion and, and love. And there was a group of girls where we were like up against the barrier speaking to, to Rusha and Katie. And there was this wee girl next to me. She was up to my waist and her dad was going, Aoife, you've got to push through. You've got to push through. And I was like, what do you need? And I kind of picked her up and, and Katie signed her stuff and just kind of like, you know, rubbed her shoulder. And her wee face was just like... You know, she was just going to cry her eyes out. And I was like, you okay? And she was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> and I was just like, bless your heart. Like, you know, it's just so lovely to see. And we're seeing it all the time now. And, you know, even when people say to me, are you Russia's sister? What's she like? Is she like that in real life? That, you know, and I'm just like, it's great. I love, I love that now they're just these little heroes to all these young people, you know, and to young boys as well. Exactly. I think they're, set, they're setting an example, you know, they're accepting, yeah. you know, we associate football, a lot of people, society is supposed to associate football with men in this country. And now these boys are growing up seeing that women play football and women sell out stadiums. And women are just as good. So I think it's a rhythm. A Scottish woman and an Irish woman talking sport. <laughs> You'd be here all, all day, all night. You mentioned John Hartson and you are the same as John Hartson. John Hartson was my last guest on my show last year. And you're my last guest on this year's show. Why are you finishing the show now? Because we started it during, obviously, Gaelic football and camogie. So it's coming. But I'm hoping to uh, get something else. But I, I wanted a big guest. So oh. she wasn't available. So I had to, oh. I had to get you. I'll get her for you. I'll get, I'll get the both of them for you next time. Denise, we'll make five minutes to cram them together in a room and make sure you get a chat with them. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll happily be the follow-up to Big Bad John Hartson. I spoke to him last week. I sent him a message saying, John, will you do me a favour and jump on TalkSport and we'll preview the Celtic game together. Um, and he, he sent a message back saying, absolutely no problem, what time? John is a really, really lovely okay. guy and a, a pleasure to work really? with and sound and he's everything that embodies Celtic and more. Um, so yeah, he's, he, he's, he's one of the good guys, that's for sure. Exactly. Listen, you keep up the good work. Tell Thank Rusha you. best luck with the injury and we'll uh, keeping fingers, toes, everything crossed for the ladies next month with the I feel, I feel like I need to give some sort of inspirational talk that I will never be able to manage, but this is their moment. This is their time and, and go and do it for your tiny little country 
that everybody wants to claim. I think 98% yeah. of the world's population claim to have Irish. <laughs> so go and do it for this country and go and do it for everybody and do it for me because I'll sleep better at night. That would be great. <laughs> The fixtures for this weekend in the Women's National League on Saturday at 2pm, Shelburne entertain Cork City and Galway are at home to DLR Waves. At 10 to 5, it's a repeat of the FEI Cup semi-final when Athlone Town face leaders Wexford Youths and at 5pm, P-Mount United play Bohemians. On Sunday at 2pm, Sligo Rovers welcome Treaty United to the showgrounds. Lots of sport around the country and abroad and the Republic of Ireland women's team have an important World Cup playoff with either Scotland or Austria coming up. So best of luck to the girls in green. I'd like to thank everyone who I've chatted to during the sporting year. It has been a memorable season. I'm obviously nervous going out there because it is a new sport and I am very young. I'm the youngest Irish player now to go out to the MLW. So that is obviously going to be playing a big factor. I'm excited just trying not to get injured and stuff because like, it's obviously a very rough sport and I'm used to like non-contact mm. sport. It's all learning curve really and I'm going to take the opportunity when it's there and just go for it and see where it takes me and if I love it then I love it and if I don't like it I'll deal with that too. Because Mr Palmer's family came out stood by the first tee watched the players go off and they actually wrote to us and said it was one of the greatest tributes to their father and uh, that, you know, that was very touching that we had created this amazing event. Performing the way we can and we've been extremely lucky with the way that the, the girls have just uh, done that this year both in league and championship. The best competitions are the club champions. That's where the real rivalry, I suppose, exists. And you can't have the kind of teams, you can't have the big days yeah. in Crow Park without the club because at the end of it all, that six, seven, eight-year-old that was in Crow Park yesterday looking out at Emma Duggan and her sensational scoring, she's going back to go and try and replicate that in her club. I got the job then and First of all, I couldn't get the, the players I wanted in and I said, God, this is going to be to be tough. And look, it started slowly. We, we, we I suppose, turning point for, for me, and I'll openly admit it, there always has to be a turning point. We played Kildare in my first year in the last match and I think we won the game, even though we got knocked out of the championship. It, it gave the girls, we got around in a huddle after and we said a few things and, and you know, the next year, everyone came back. They're a very special bunch, so it takes a very special bunch to do that, though, to go two in a row. And uh, like, we started the year off quietly, won the league, not without playing well, and we started the championship then. Just look at the draw, point up, we're, we're getting better and better. We kept the best of the last again today, so. And it was good to, to give us a handy day out, so not be sweating at the end. But watching it back and reflecting on it, it's like we knew that they, they could have they had it at different times as well, and I suppose I'll go back and I'll say it could have went either way, so we're, we were happy with the draw. Yeah, absolutely. In the Camogie world, like, Denise is up there with the best of the free tickets, you know, and, like, I suppose I listened to her interview afterwards there, and, you know, she was excited and all about ice in the veins, and, you know, typical Kelly Harlan or Camogie player, when the pressure really comes on, she stood up. But fair play, that's experience too, though. Denise has kind of, hasn't been there yesterday, the day before, she's there a good long while. I know last year, like, we weren't, we didn't go into anywhere near favourites, we weren't really given a chance, and I think we really underperformed on the day. Two weeks ago again, um, we were well ahead, or we were a few ahead. Wides let us down, and maybe had the momentum coming in out of the out to the second half, but we didn't use it, and you know, let them back into the game, and we were lucky in that sense. But I think today we came and we really, really proved the point. So um, yeah, couldn't be happier. The team performance was just immense. 
look I don't think my statement is going to like save the world mm. or, or stop trolls but I definitely feel like I've gained a lot of power since then and I feel a lot better myself you know I know I'm doing a good job I've got great friends and family around me and that's the most important thing there was the heartbreak of trying to qualify for Rio where they lost to China on a penalty shootout then eventually they, they made their first Olympics uh, with the uh, most recent games held in Tokyo but before all that of course there was a uh, almost 20 year gap between qualifying for World Cups I think they qualified one in 2002 we did win medals in Paralympic sports in, in the Sydney Paralympics I think we won and, and I'm not too sure was it Athens and Beijing but certainly Sydney so we've got a good history of Paralympic medals in Boccia and at the moment now it's just a case of put, putting the structures in place develop it and get back up to that stage please God in a couple of years time and make it Boccia known around Ireland I keep in touch with the LGFA at the moment it's pretty casual but I suppose at some point in time there will have to be a conversation about it and and possibly there's talks of getting the Gaelic Players Association involved and around the table with the LGFA and the FLW in terms of going forward but also I think while it's a a hot topic at the the moment generally across the next few seasons we're not going to see a flood of players going over there I I think people tend tend to hype hype that up we have 22 Irish players playing this season only 28 Irish players have gone over in total across the the seven years so far this season was exceptionally different in that there was four new teams or expansion teams as they call them so now it's up to a full 18 aside competition yeah you know and um, I suppose uh, you know it's, it's a tough enough position like you, you kind of have to have a thick skin and um, because obviously like you've been around the game long enough yourself you know like like when a goalkeeper makes a mistake like nine times out of ten it's going to end up at the back of the net you're kind of just lying there thinking please lord let the ground go <laughs> but I suppose you know you just as you gain more experience you just learn to deal with it just have to get up and get on with it, you know. Thank you to our sponsors, Medell Healthcare. So until next season, slong a fool.